Afterward, Masculinity Close to Home by Carol Penner I read this book with fascination, with hope, and with some disappointment. The writers gave me new insights and food for thought. I sensed a deep and honest longing for God's leading. And yet there was something that I was looking for that I did not find. I appreciate the discussions of power and the conviction that our ideas are rooted in our lives and in our stories. I value the vulnerability of so many of the writers in their engagement with the scripture and our tradition as they thought about what it means to be a man. They brought humility to the task. Many of the writers talk about the fact that they are learning as they go. The discussion of masculinities rather than masculinity is essential. For me, the chapters written by men on the margins were key. Perspectives of men who are gay, Asian, Latino, Indigenous, and African American gave me new vantage points for masculinity. Many of the writers made connections and intersections between different types of abuses of power. Violence takes many faces. Over and over again, the writers talk about how masculinity is something that is learned. I was struck by how many of the writers talk about relationships with their fathers. The groundwork of masculinity is laid in childhood. My Mennonite father was charming, outgoing, intelligent, and loved by everyone who knew him, including me. Stories from this book helped me think about him. My views of masculinity came, first of all, from him. Like some writers in this book, I saw the dedication my father put into being a provider. His paychecks sustained our family. I also saw the toll that hard work in the factory took on his body. Being a man meant spending time after work with his buddies in the bar. Home was a place he retreated to, where everyday necessities were the responsibility of his wife and his three daughters. I also saw how difficult life was for him and for our family when work dried up, and he had long months of unemployment. My father was loving towards my sisters and me. He was warm and funny and tender. He spent time with us and loved us deeply. I puzzled over this inherited blueprint of masculinity as I chose a life partner, a man who was in some ways different, but in other ways similar to my father. I learned about femininity from my mother, no doubt, but my adult understanding of what it means to be a woman was forged in the intimate relationship with my partner. I learned about this in the context of a committed sexual relationship with a longtime lover. We negotiated give and take, power and roles. How do we decide about two careers, about childcare, about housework? How do we negotiate our masculine or feminine identity in the push and pull of daily decision-making and long-term directions? I think that family relationships, not just family of origin, are a place where we construct our identities. My most intense wrestling about masculinity came when I had a baby boy. He was my second child after my daughter. 
how would I raise him compared to his sister? How would I help him learn to be a man? How would faith in Jesus shape my choices? I was surprised that only a couple of writers mentioned their partners or their children. Are intimate relationships not that important for forming masculine identity? The chapter on community focused on church community and stories about men in community with groups of men. Men's groups are significant, however, I haven't heard of any men's Bible studies where people have hit each other. Why is it that male violence so often happens in family relationships? What is it about family relationships that differs from other relationships in this regard? Why was this type of community overlooked in a book about peace and masculinity? Violence is multifaceted in this book, which is important. However, violence certainly includes physical force and sexual abuse. How can we talk about peace and masculinity without talking about intimate partner violence and child abuse? This is the elephant in the room this book does not address. My Mennonite father was violent with my mother and later my stepmother. When I was too little to remember things, my sister recalls my mother running into our room in the middle of the night crying, Girls, help! Daddy is trying to kill me! When I was old enough to have memories, I remember trouble at home. I remember hearing fights about money and too much drinking. I remember the sound of chairs being knocked over. My stepmother saying, Don't you dare hit me again! Good Mennonite men can be violent. Wife-battering happens in Mennonite homes at the same rate as in secular homes. In this book, there are few references to the need to work against domestic violence, but no one had a story to share about experiencing or being tempted to physical violence, except Hugo Suacido, who talked with great vulnerability about a close call with being violent towards himself. Imbalances of power bring temptation to abuse. I know for myself that the people I have been angriest at in my life have been people who were in my power. My young children, and my mother when she was in a nursing home. I really fought the urge to hurt them physically. And that is in spite of society telling me that to be a woman, to be feminine, means to be a nurturer, a carrier, a person who is not physically violent. And that is in spite of society telling me that to be a woman, to be feminine, means to be a nurturer, a carer, a person who is not physically violent. As a pastor, I learned that a shocking number of my young female congregants were raped by men they were dating. Some of them were Mennonite men. Physical and sexual violence is a part of Mennonite men's lives, but is barely mentioned in this book. How does masculinity play into violence in intimate relationships? I think it is easier to talk about Jesus and peace than to talk about our urges to be violent towards the people we love. This is a very significant book. I find it immensely hopeful that Mennonite men are talking about being peaceful at heart. I think this book will stimulate countless important conversations between men and between women and men around kitchen tables, in small groups, and in churches.
It is a book that invites further dialogue, further vulnerabilities, and further explorations about how being followers of Jesus makes us peaceful at heart. In this afterword, I have named one direction these further conversations must go, namely, how to go from being peaceful at heart to being peaceful at home.